It is Free Talk Live. You're welcome to join the discussions we're going to be having tonight. That number is 603-283-6160. Again, 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria. Angie. And Bonnie. And among the conversations that we're going to be having tonight... uh, the fear-mongering uh, that I saw today on the Drudge Report was just insane, and none of the articles in and of themselves are really worth talking about. They're, it's about the Lambda COVID variant, the Gamma COVID variant, and a monkeypox outbreak. Just the fear-mongering regarding disease has gotten out of control because the monkeypox in particular is one person. The, the outbreak is one entire person who had monkeypox. We're in, we're in a state of panic. Everyone, it's going to be a pandemic. That's what they're suggesting. And, of course, uh, the Biden administration actually released one of the, I think there's 130 or so people still in Guantanamo Bay. I don't remember the exact number, but the Biden administration released one of them. So small progress there. Yay. And a fearless boxing club, a gym, has decided that they are not going to allow customers who have been vaccinated against COVID. I think that is a great idea. It's an interesting twist that I didn't see coming, certainly. Well, they say that once you get the vaccine, you shed. Right. And if you're boxing... At least briefly, right. Yeah, but if you're boxing, you're going to be intimate with people. And why are you going to require people to have it if you don't believe in it? Yeah, and it's also pretty fearless because they're from Canada, which is, I would think, even more, uh, you know, vaccine crazy. So despite its bold name, there is one thing the founders of Toronto's Fearless Boxing Club seem to be scared of vaccinated people according to an instagram post the gym's vaccine policy states that people who've received the experimental covid vaccine will no longer be accepted as members now i wonder when they did that how many members they actually lost i don't probably not many and part of that we'll get into the reasons why but they're not taking at least new customers who have okay. the vaccine i imagine people who do have the vaccine no longer want to be there though I wouldn't. I wouldn't either, but I wouldn't have gotten the vaccine. Right, me either, so. The policy states the gym's current members include doctors, nurses, teachers, parents, and youth who, quote, feel safer waiting until more research is done on the side effects being discovered right now. I don't know what they're talking about because I don't pay much attention to any of the COVID-19. I say that, but like COVID-19 is all we've talked about over the last 18 months, but I don't know what new side effects they're talking about. I don't know, but I heard Conan say yesterday that 11,000 people have died from the vaccine, and I wanted to know where he got that number, but I didn't ask. I don't know where he got it. Hmm. All of the COVID-19 vaccines being used in Canada were approved by Health Canada and subject to large clinical trials that showed their safety and efficacy. According to the City of Toronto, the vaccines, quote, met the same safety and quality standards required for all vaccines. No steps were skipped in the approval process. And as I understand it, that's true in the United States as well, except the United States just allowed them to jump to the front of the queue. Don't they usually test vaccines? Don't they like give them, I don't know, rats or chickens or something to make sure that they're not going like, to mutate them? Did they not do that? I don't think so. No, we were the guinea pigs, right? I, I don't know. I just assumed they had tested it on some sort of animal before that. Well, I'm I against mean, animal testing anyway. If humans want to have the benefit of a cure or treatment, then it should be tested on humans and not helpless animals who aren't going I to agree. benefit from I it. I agree. I agree, too. But I don't even think that what they said is true, that they put it through the same test as every other vaccine, because like Nikki is always saying that some uh, medicines go through like 10 year, uh, you know, trials before they're ever released. 
Maybe it's not vaccine. Maybe the trials aren't required. Maybe it's just something that the vaccine manufacturer wants to because the normal vaccines, can't you sue if something happens? Like you can file a lawsuit and say, hey, I got sick or disabled from this vaccine. I do not know. But the COVID vaccine, there's no responsibility there. According to Blog2, whoever that is, Fearless Studios was founded by professional boxer Mohammed Abedin and professional dancer Crystal Glazier. Oh, Glazier Roscoe, excuse me. Its Instagram bio states that the business was built in the lockdown, opened in the lockdown, and we're not going anywhere. That's the part that I find amazing, that they they created this business during the lockdown and were open during the lockdown. I don't think, I mean, gyms were among the places most heavily targeted. And there were a lot of gyms that closed down. There were, and some of them haven't come back. Nope. Its Instagram page, which has around 2,500 followers, also includes a section called COVID Bull, seemingly complaining about masks and lockdowns. I don't know because they didn't link to any of it. Yeah, just complaining. We don't we don't want to put anything that could be, you know, make them look right. They were just complaining. And they didn't give any examples. Recent Instagram stories of quote Camp Freedom. Who who is Camp Freedom? What are these people even talking about? Why do they live in Toronto? I don't know. That's (laughs) a good question. But the article does talk about that. It shows clips of mostly unmasked children inside boxing and playing. I'm surprised this was mostly. I would expect it to be all of them. I couldn't imagine doing something like boxing while wearing no a way. mask. That's insane. Reached by Vice World News Wednesday morning, Abedin said he couldn't do an interview because he was really busy right now. It's unclear what Fearless Business Plan is, given that more than 65% of adults in Toronto are fully vaccinated. Well, I don't know anything about the United uh, about. Canada, really, because I'm an American and yeah. we're pretty ignorant of most countries, but 35% of adults is still a lot of adults. I think so. And, and how many children? Right. And I imagine there are plenty of people willing to go to the gym who aren't vaccinated. Mm-hmm. The gym's Google reviews average 1.7 stars with many reviewers complaining about the anti-vax policy. A few months ago, so people who aren't even customers are leaving them bad reviews. I mean, they can't be customers, right, if they have their vaccines. A few months ago, Fearless posted on Instagram that doing what's right isn't always easy alongside a photo of headlines denouncing Muhammad Ali for draft evasion during the Vietnam War. The photo stated that the gym had received hundreds of messages of support. So these aren't libertarians, certainly. Probably not. Well, I mean, they're criticizing Muhammad Ali for draft evasion. So I thought he was, they were saying he did what was right and it wasn't easy. Because, well, I don't know. Maybe I heard oh, you wrong. Oh, maybe, you, maybe you're correct. They put doing what's right isn't always easy alongside a photo of headlines. To, you're, you're correct. Oh, okay. Okay. I misunderstood. So they, they may have some libertarian leanings. They're, they're anti-war. At least anti the draft. Yeah. Fair point. The photo stated that the gym had received hundreds of messages of support. The news about Fearless comes as local businesses grapple with whether or not to require staff and patrons to be vaccinated. In the United States, businesses are requiring employees to be vaccinated, and apparently they can fire you if you're not vaccinated. And we learned last night that they can, in fact, require the same thing of customers. They can't actually say, hey, uh, prove that you're vaccinated or take off your ma- or put, put a your mask, mask on. on. They can say, hey, masks are required unless you prove that you're vaccinated. And there are signs around businesses here that say that. That you have to prove you're vaccinated? Not that it prove, but you have to have a mask on if you're not vaccinated. I've yeah. seen those two. I walk yeah. right by them. I do too. Me too. Be- because my health is not their business. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I'm not going to let it make it mm-hmm. their business.
So Good Life Gems recently sparked controversy when the chain tweeted it would not... Why do they keep introducing new names that they haven't explained? Who who is Good Life Gems? They didn't say anything about them at any point prior to this. Is this Fox News? No, this is is Drudge Report. But they have a terrible, terrible writing staff, clearly. Other businesses have taken a different tack, including Toronto restaurant Chanticleer, which will require customers sitting at the bar to show proof of vaccination. So presumably you could go into this bar and get a seat at the table, but if you want to come to the bar where the cool kids sit, you have to prove that you're vaccinated. That's because you can't social distance at the bar. But that's the point of the bar. I know. <laughs> the strip club Fillmore's told the Toronto Sun its staff are all fully vaccinated and customers will be required to have at least one dose. I don't understand that. Yeah. What One dose, isn't that useless? Yeah, that's or- what I always think. An initiative called Safe to Do, which was listing Ontario establishments with vaccinated staff, shut down Tuesday. So they, Ontario establishments had a website called Safe to Do, where they were listing restaurants that had vaccinated staff. Tweeting that the businesses in the database were being subjected to negative reviews and hateful messages. This was truly unexpected. I started this website less than a week ago, and it was supposed to be apolitical. But it immediately became political because this entire thing immediately became political. What are your thoughts? Should businesses actually require customers to not be vaccinated if they want to shop there? I kind of like the idea. But what do you think? 603-283-6160 if you want to weigh in. 603-283-6160. It is Free Talk Live. You're welcome to join us. 603-283-6160 is the number if you want to do that. That's 603-283-6160. This vaccine stuff is so wild to me, man. I never thought I, I would live in a society that was telling people they had to reveal their medical history to strangers if they wanted to take part in society. But I guess that's just sort of because vaccines, childhood vaccines are, are just so common that, you know, your typical nosy Nancy isn't willing to ask strangers that they received a, a what, what do they immunize kids against? There are measles. tons of vaccines. I, I know, but I don't know what any of them are for. Chickenpox. Like, is there a chickenpox vaccine? There is a chickenpox vaccine. Why? It's so it's such know. an innocuous disease. Yeah, I that, I didn't get vaccinated at all as a kid, and I, I didn't, didn't either. I got chickenpox twice. Yeah, I, I got, got chickenpox chicken really twice. Twice. I, I thought one. you could only get it once. Twice, if I recall correctly. I think you can get it more than once, but it's extremely rare. Oh. Yeah, was it as bad the second time as the first time? I. I was in third grade then. I have no idea. Yeah, I I was one years old, and I still remember taking an oatmeal bath somehow. But at, I was one years one old. Year so, wow. That was probably is that like, like your first memory that you remember. I don't know. I have a few really early memories. Well, let's go to the phones. We got Dave calling from New Hampshire. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live. Oh, I've got you muted. Sorry. Hold on, Dave. Or maybe all ladies. Go ahead. Yeah. Hello. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, I have uh, some updates with regard to the the, the fallout from uh, the Capitol Hill protests. Now, I don't know what these protests are. When, when did this occur? I'm talking about the Capitol Hill protests of January 6th and the follow-up arrests. Gotcha. Okay. When you said the, the New Hampshire Capitol arrest, I thought you meant... Okay. 
I'm with you now. The the January 6th, quote, insurrection where a number of unhappy people conducted a no-knock raid on the government and the government didn't appreciate it. Correct. And this is a June 16th article in the Union Leader in New Hampshire. Uh, And I think I I always like to say, by their grievances, shall you know them. And so if you you can hear what people are complaining about, you can tell who the bad guy is. And here's what the federal government is complaining about. Uh, Okay, the, the headline is, quote, NH man pleads guilty to, quote, unlawful picketing, unquote. Unlawful picketing? Yes, and that was something he apparently did in, on January 6th uh, at the Capitol building. It's also what Savage did at the Sanu News house this year or, or last year or whatever. Footloose is how I know him. Yeah, so in this oh. case, the guy's name is Thomas Gallagher. Uh, the federal government admits he did not commit any violent acts, but he's he was he's uh, facing up to six months in prison after pleading guilty in prison. Uh, yes, uh, for being inside the building. Why? So he accepted a plea deal, presumably, right? Correct. And hit, and the plea deal he got gave him six months in prison. Uh, it's a maximum sentence of six months in prison uh, based on his plea. Okay. So he's. That he for being in the building at a time when you know is it I, I've never been to the Capitol building is it not is it or is it not open to the public in general? Yeah, I've been in and out of it. You know, it was no big deal. I don't even remember going through security. That was back in the eighties. I was at the Iran Contra hearings. Yeah, I assumed it was open to the general public. So this guy went in, you know, with some people who were unhappy, and presumably he was one of these unhappy people, and ultimately is getting charged with unlawful picketing because they don't have anything else they can charge him with. So just because he was holding a sign, because isn't that what picketing means? Well, you don't even have to hold a sign as. Mm-hmm. Um, that happened. That's when Footloose got arrested here in New Hampshire when he was trying to, quote, protest at Sununu's house. He was holding a candle. Hmm. So it doesn't even have to be a sign. To claim, I'm not trying to claim that everyone at, the, at this protest behaved appropriately. That is not the claim I'm making. But he's supposed to be charged with what he's done, right? Not with what someone else has done or some new fear that's spreading through the country. That's not what you get charged with. You get charged with what you do. And being in the building, and apparently they've said, the federals have apparently also admitted that he tried to stop other people from doing any vandalism. There's video of him uh, trying to stop someone from throwing a chair. So he, he was in there. I mean, for all we know, he was there for the purpose of trying to stop everybody from hurting anyone. Well, they, the government, the federal government will use whatever they want to make um, your charges worse. Like, for example, in Nobody's last hearing, they used the January 6th uh, thing to make his uh, to make their case that he should be in jail still. I can't remember exactly what they said, but they said like, oh, yeah, they compared a tweet that he made to some things that were said on January 6th. It was like they were just like, oh, I'm going to bring up January 6th. And that makes uh, nobody bad, bad, bad man. So there's another uh, line in the article that is telling here, quote, Police ordered, uh, let's see, no, wait, no, it's a quote, Gallagher, uh, ah, I'm sorry, I keep looking for the wrong one, uh, permission, permission, there was something about, oh yeah, quote, federal prosecutors said Gallagher knew he did not have permission to enter the Capitol that day, unquote. So you have to have, again, that's what you, you're giving six months in jail for something like that? You, you, you went into a government building and it, you knew you weren't supposed to? Well, who said you're not supposed to go into a government building? Aren't they our buildings? And don't you have the right to petition your government? No, apparently not. <laughs> right. 
but you should have the right. And I mean, essentially, yeah. picketing is doing nothing but petitioning the government. If the guy was even picketing, which I mean, they've got their own little weird legal definition that you know somehow includes just standing in a place. Sure, but even if he was picketing with a sign, he, that's constitutionally protected. Right. They didn't have permission to come into my house on March sixteenth. Why didn't they hit him with yeah. you know trespass or something like that? If he's if you have to have permission to be somewhere, that well, that's trespassing. No, it, so like you're not trespassing says, unless they ask you to leave and you don't after. So I don't, says, I don't know if he did that. It says Thomas Gallagher entered a guilty plea to a charge of quote parading, demonstrating, or picketing in a Capitol building unquote. Is that illegal? Is it illegal yeah, to I, demonstrate? I didn't, I didn't know it was. I didn't know it was. Yeah, really. Even I didn't know that. I didn't know parading was. We should have a parade in the Capitol. Well, you can't. It's illegal. <laughs> well, it's like it's like the Joel German expression. All all uh, all revolutions are verboten because uh, revolution has been forbidden. <laughs> yeah, that's bizarre. You you can't petition you know your elected officials in their place of work. Which is, you know, where yeah. you would generally expect to be able to petition them. Absolutely insane. Yeah. Dave, thank you so much for the updates. Now, did you guys ever pick out a date on when you're going down to the to the um, Federal Reserve building? Yes. Mr. Bitcoin has, well, I don't know what the Federal Reserve, but Mr. Bitcoin has scheduled the first demonstration that is on Monday at 10 a.m. at the New Hampshire Federal building. And later on, possibly Tuesday or later Monday, he will probably go to the Federal Reserve Building in Boston, but that has not been scheduled yet. Is so Bitcoin go to, Gandhi going? Go to, yes, I'm planning to. If you go to BitcoinGandhi.net, I have uh, put updates there. 10 a.m., though, man? You guys do not stay up late, do you? Well, I do, and that's going to be hard for me. But uh, I think that he did it at that time to give him time to go to other places that day. Gotcha. So that's Monday at 10 a.m. I would love to say I would be there, but there's no way I'm going to be in Concord by 10 a.m. But you can find out more about it at BitcoinGandhi.net. Of course, that's Bitcoin, G-A-N-D-H-I.net. When we get back, we're going to talk about how to have a healthy sex life. 603-283-6160 if you want to weigh in. When Monster Hunter International discovers one of Isaac Newton's wardstones being auctioned off, they decide to steal it and use it to destroy the Chaos God once and for all. But a mysterious thief upends their plan, and it soon becomes a race against time as something much older and infinitely more evil awakens in the jungles of South America. Monster Hunter Bloodlines by New York Times bestselling author Larry Correa and Bane Books. Visit MonsterHunterNation.com for more. It's Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160. If you want to join the conversation, that's 603-283-6160. And as promised, we're going to talk about how to have a healthy sex life or what the key to a healthy sex life is other than the, the obvious answer being sex. Yes, that always makes Oh, sense. I'm sorry. Hold oh, on. Like, I don't hear me. Yeah, I didn't hear either. <laughs> that always makes for a good sex life. 
Yes, uh, you're not having a good sex life if you're not having sex. And but it doesn't mean by yourself. Like you, a partner is important. A, a partner helps. Yes. Yes. I, I don't think it qualifies as sex if there's not a partner. Probably not, but it's still. I mean, it can be enjoyable, but it's not as enjoyable as with a partner. So let's get into this article because they think the solution is mindfulness. Yeah, I think being present is kind of what they're saying should happen during sex. It's um, It talks about, the article says, to prevent performance anxiety from interfering with a healthy sex life, mindfulness is the answer. Uh, oh, to prevent performance anxiety. Yeah, it, it goes and talks about what people are usually thinking when they're having sex. And it's not, oh, this is really nice. This feels really good. It's, Am I doing okay? Am I performing okay? Am I doing this right? Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and so people are anxious, so they're not really in the moment. Yeah, when I, oh my god, I was about to say when I was a kid, but when I was younger and I first started having sex, I kind of just figured this out naturally. Like I would always be really nervous and just be like, uh, I don't know. I, I realized I had to enjoy it by not thinking about what I'm doing. Exactly, know. and that's what it says. If you're mindful, you're present. Yeah. So you're you're thinking you're on whatever is happening at the moment. Well, that's true of all things, really. Right. Yeah. If you're if you're having a rock concert and you're worrying about whether or not you're doing okay, then you're not having you're not fully enjoying yourself because you're busy worrying. Exactly. Or you're worried about what you have on, or worried about people are looking at you, or if you're looking a fool dancing around. I mean, mm-hmm. and then there's anxiety there as well. That's so true with like dancing. Yeah, mm-hmm. you just have to not you just have to think about it and just let go. Yeah. See, I can't do that in regard to dancing, but I'm not much of a dancer in the first place. Even if it's- you have a couple of drinks, then could you do it? I don't know. I've never, <laughs> not usually out in a setting where there's dancing when I'm drinking. So well, that's I don't a know. challenge. So. <laughs> the answer is probably still, probably not. But it's just, that's not one of the things that I do to express joy. Yeah. So I used to think the same thing. And then I started going out to bars that actually played music I like, aka gay bars. And I realized I actually really love dancing. I used to think like, oh, that's just not something I like to do. Oh, I love to dance. I, I it's totally great cardio. The exercise is great. If you do it correctly the next day, you're sore. Interesting. So what else does this article have to say? Oh, oh I, I clicked off of it. Hold on. Sorry. Yeah, no problem. It um, goes on and talks about uh, what you can do is you know feel the person, listen to their breath, and that will bring you into the moment. Interesting. That, that sounds a, a little creepy, but <laughs> it's I whatever helps, I guess. I I don't generally I want to sit and listen to the sound of you breathing. I mean, they, they could have phrased that in a way that was a little bit less creepy, right? Well, I don't think they phrased it exactly like that, but I was still waiting oh. for the article. <laughs> You're welcome. It says recognize the problem. People with anxiety around sex tend to use avoidance as a coping mechanism. You won't get any better if you don't do it. So that people avoid sex because yep. of performance anxiety? Exactly. Because they're well, worried. That's, that's, that's stupid. That's how you get over performance anxiety. No, Every musician who ever got on a stage was nervous the first time they did it. Or the first 15 times. Or, yeah, or more likely the first 100. Right. And as, you, as you're bigger, the crowds are going to get bigger. So then you're going to have anxiety about that as well. Excellent point. Might happen when you're having sex too. The crowds might get bigger. So something that you can do is talk to your partner about it so that they know how you feel. That 
that's always good advice. Yes. I mean, communication is key to any healthy and successful relationship. Too many people don't communicate in their relationships, and that's why they fail. It's hard sometimes to communicate in it relationships. It is because, I mean, people become emotional, they become angry and stuff like that, and then they don't yeah. want to talk, or they're, they're talking, but they're not communicating. Or they're nasty. Yeah. You know, and so it's, it's hard to be kind and patient, and especially if you're upset. Yeah, but that's when it's most important, I exactly. think. Exactly. Mindfulness is the perfect counter to sexual anxiety since it thwarts worry about impending ills by inviting you to become fully present in the here and now. Rather than thinking there's a right or wrong way to feel or think at any given moment, you practice acceptance in this state of simply being, ultimately lowering stress levels. Instead of being preoccupied with the past or future, your awareness is dedicated to simply being right there. That's awesome. and I mean, that's good advice all around. Right. People should do more to live in the moment rather than the future or the past or whether or not they're being judged or worrying or, you know, just anxiety in general. But, you know, we live in a society where everyone claims to have anxiety or depression or something like that. And there's a medication for all of it. There is. I was looking into uh, dog training because I finally got permission to, you know, Google dog stuff now that I have a dog. Hmm. And one of the things I was looking into about golden retrievers, I don't remember exactly what I had clicked on. It was some some training thing. But at the end, it was like, your dog may have anxiety or depression. Oh, my gosh. I was like, are you kidding me? They're, <laughs> they're now diagnosing dogs with depression. Look. They have medications for that for dogs as well. I am not a fan of killing animals. But if you have a dog who suffers from depression, get your vet to just put her down. Oh, my goodness. Why? <laughs> because a dog is not... I mean, I would say the same thing of a human being that's well, dealing with depression. what if it's a dog that you know, just suffers kill yourself. because of like a loss of owner or something of that nature? Yeah. And so it was like an onset, a depression of something that like an event. Well, that's not depression. That's sadness. Right. But they might be a depressed pup after that. Sure. Okay. But, you know, the sense in which they used it wasn't because of a loss of an owner or something yeah. like that. They meant... It's because the know, owner is crazy and they're depressed that they have to live with that owner. Yeah. They meant, you know... Is it medically diagnosed? Does your dog have a serotonin imbalance? Oh, my goodness. I feel like the have yeah, some that doesn't Prozac exist. for dogs. There's a test. And anxiety. Uh, separation anxiety. That, luckily, my puppy doesn't have to deal with that. But We had to deal with that with a German Shepherd we had when we first moved here. And I took a trip to North Carolina. And um, Michael came to Keene. And he stayed overnight. And he came back. And the dog had chewed through the water softener system in the basement. Oh, wow. Yeah. He was like, uh, this dog has to go. I do I, uh, I do know a girl who has a dog who suffered from separation anxiety. And when they would go to work, the dog would just bash its head on on its, on its crate, ultimately giving itself brain damage. Oh, and no. Ultimately becoming crippled and having to be put down. So... Separation anxiety can certainly be a real thing with dogs, but well, I mean, they're social creatures. Yeah, well, we just found someone who was there all the time. You yeah. know, that, that. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so the dog was good. So, but dogs suffering from depression and anxiety, I, I don't see it, but I see it a lot in humans. Mm-hmm. You know, clicking on your average LGBTQ person's Twitter profile is just a litany of mental illnesses in their bio. Why do people advertise this? That's something I don't get. I have PTSD, anxiety, and bipolar disorder, and ADHD. Why are you going around? Do you think that they're looking for sympathy, or they want everyone to be prepared when they meet them? I think it's sympathy and attention because I mean, I definitely don't think that you should be ashamed of those things. But they're also just—it's actually not part of you. It's just like a state of mind you're in sometimes to have like PTSD or whatever. You know, like 
It's not like you should live like that every day. It's not part of your personality, and it's also not, you know, you don't get a cookie for it, you know? Well, they, they, they think they should get a cookie for, for it, I think. But it's so weird to me. It's like any other disease or illness you have, you don't advertise to people that you have... Crohn's. Yeah, thank you. But you do advertise to people, for whatever reason, on the internet that you have PTSD or bipolar disorder or ADHD or whatever. Just because they want sympathy and attention, as far as they can, as far as I can tell, I think the real disease there is social media because nobody has ever done something like that. I feel like until social media existed, it's like a Tumblr age thing. But would it have happened anyway without social media? I t- I tend to think that it would have. Maybe it happened, but there wasn't so many diagnoses. In one of, in one of the Facebook groups I'm in, I actually saw it. I don't remember the name of the group. Man's playing harder, Daddy is actually the, the name of the group, but um. <laughs> The girl started out her post saying, you know, I have undiagnosed, I have self-diagnosed bipolar disorder. That's not a thing. You don't have self-diagnosed anything. You don't have anything diagnosed. You want to feel special. What are your thoughts? Maybe we're wrong here. Maybe mental mental illness is abounding. 603-283-6160. This is Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160. That's the number if you want to join the conversation. That's 603-283-6160. We do tonight, it's Aria. Angie. And Bonnie. And I want to tell you about Bitcoin.com. It's the best place to learn about about Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. Just click Getting Started at the top of the page. It just takes you a couple of minutes and you can learn the basics of this world-changing technology. And it's important, too, because it is world-changing technology the world is moving very quickly to catch up to catch the boat before it ships before it sets sail yeah i don't know why that got so confused in my head but if you do already know about cryptocurrency check out news.bitcoin.com to stay up to date on all the news and headlines that's relevant to you that's news.bitcoin.com all on a sleek and easy to use modern website so Dave Ridley called earlier, and he he talked about an update of a New Hampshire resident who was at the the insurrection that took place on January the 6th. I've got something about that. I did not even know that they created a commission to investigate the January 6th insurrection, as they're calling it. But evidently they did. Congressman Benny Thompson, the chairman of the new House Select Committee to scrutinize the Capitol attack, says that he will investigate Donald Trump as part of his inquiry into the events of January the 6th, a day he sees as the greatest test to the United States since the Civil War. So presumably the January 6th riot was worse than both world wars, the Vietnam War. Because so many people died. Yes. Evidently, uh, there, there were like five people who died. So, And there were protesters and like cops, right? In an interview with The Guardian, Thompson said that he is also prepared to depose members of Congress and Senator Trump and senior Trump administration officials who might have participated in the insurrection that left five dead and nearly 140 injured. What does dispose mean? Depose? Yeah. I I think it means um, to take them out of office, doesn't it? If you if you like depose the king, you're removing the king from power. I don't know. I don't know, and I can't just Google it, but I'm pretty sure that's what it means. Absolutely, Thompson said of his intent to pursue a wide-ranging inquiry against the former president and some of his most prominent allies, 
nothing is off limits. The aggressive move to place Trump in the crosshairs of the select committee underscores Thompson's determination to uncover the root causes of six of January the 6th, even after Senate Republicans, fearing political damage, blocked the creation of a 9-11 style commission. But they evidently weren't able to block the creation of this commission. I guess they lost power. I, who knows? I, I don't pay much attention to federal politics. The move comes at, at the same time as many Republicans have been seeking to downplay the attack on the Capitol. Well, because it wasn't an attack on the Capitol. It was it's some, some angry rednecks rampaging through a building. Some of them stole, stole some stuff, and that was wrong. Some of them damaged some stuff, and that was wrong. But no politician got hurt. If, there was, if this was an insurrection, then a politician or two would have gotten hurt. Did any government officials get injured? Only a, a cop, I think. But it, I, it wasn't the cop off duty. I could be wrong, but I thought it was like an off duty cop that just like volunteered to help. Off the top of my head, I have no idea. I could be wrong. There is no doubt in Thompson's mind of the seriousness of the event. Address it. Well, I'm sure the politicians are taking it very seriously because they were the ones that the, oh, absolutely that the protesters were unhappy with. Yeah, but they're taking it in the wrong way. They're just thinking, "Oh, Republicans bad." Instead of, well, I don't know if they're really thinking this. It's, it's it could all be like you know psyops, but well, they're definitely thinking. We're scared, and instead of addressing the issues, we need to crack down on people and acquire more power so that this doesn't happen again. Yep, they're not listening to any of the people's demands. Not that I really understand what their demands were, because they're a bunch of, you know, proud boys that don't know what they're talking about. The issues of January 6th are one of the most salient challenges we have as a nation to make sure that this democracy does not fall prey to people who don't really identify with democracy. Well, is this a democracy? I was under the impression that it was not, but they don't seem to know the difference. And I mean, most people don't know the difference anyway, but it's a constitutional republic for anyone who's keeping score. The central thrust of the investigation will focus on the facts and circumstances surrounding the Capitol attack. And the first hearing scheduled for 27th of July will feature current and former U.S. police and D.C. Metro police officers. But in pursuing a broad mandate to also examine the root causes of the insurrection, which they, I, I, I can't imagine they're actually going to deal with. The, the root causes were just people are unhappy with the government and what the government is doing. And I think I heard a lot about that they believed that the, um, you know, that Trump was supposed to have won the presidency or whatever. Well, there are still people who believe that Trump is going to take office like next week or something. Yeah, like August 15th or something. Is that what the date was? I think it's like August 15th. They keep moving it, though. I remember when it was like March 5th. Yeah, it's it's amazing that anyone continues to buy into this stuff because it's just like the doomsday pastors who are always like, oh, this is, the, the world is going to end on this date. But and, not today. Uh, oh, no. It <laughs> turns out I miscalculated. It was it's the actually wrong year. ending. Thompson indicated that Trump and White House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy are among the top witnesses for his investigation, in large part because McCarthy was on the phone with the former president as the riot unfolded. That, that's confusing to me. He, so because he was on the phone, McCarthy called Trump in a panic as rioters breached the Capitol and begged him to call off his supporters only for Trump to chastise the top Republican in the House. Who is McCarthy? Because I've never heard I of was, him. I was wondering that, too. I was like, I missed that. He's the House Minority Leader. And well, like I said, I don't pay much attention, all, attention to the federal government. So I don't know who this I don't know who the yeah. current head of any of these places are. I want to know what he said to chastise the guy, though. It was probably funny. 
Yeah, Trump evidently <laughs> chastised him for not doing more to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election. Well, that's not a good look for Trump. Oh, right? I thought he was chastising him about being scared of the people or whatever. No, it sounds to me that the guy called Trump's like, oh my God, rioters breached the Capitol. And Trump says, well, you should have done more to overturn the results of the election. <laughs> oh my God. Except Trump wouldn't have, you know, been that brazen. He would have said something like, well, you, you should have done your duty to look into the fairness of the election or whatever. There will be, there will not be a reluctance on the part of the committee to pursue it. The committee will want to know if there is a record of what was said. Well, of course there is. The NSA has it. Just ask them. The exchange between, or use the, uh, what, I've already forgotten the name of it. The Paradox software? That's not it. It's what, we just talked about it like Monday. I don't know. Pegasus. Pegasus. Pegasus 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 software. But Thompson went further and said that he expects anyone, whether a sitting member of Congress or a former White White House official, who may have spoken to Trump on January 6th to become the subject of the select committee's investigation. So if you spoke to Donald Trump on January the 6th, you're a subject of the select committee's investigation. So I, it doesn't sound to me like they're interested in pursuing the root cause of this. They're interested in using it as a way to finally get Donald Trump for something, which is shocking to me because that's part of the game they've always played. We, that's why we knew that Hillary was never going to actually go to jail because they don't want to upset it for everyone else. You start arresting one president for things they did while in office, and you're going to find out that you ultimately have to arrest all of them. And that's going to be true of every single elected official. You've got all of them doing things that are shady and criminal. So they've always just sort of let it slide. They didn't. And do you think that squeaky clean Barack Obama did something that was criminal? What do you think he did? I, I don't know what he did, but I'm certain he did something that was criminal. Because he was supposed to be like the the perfect president, like the the good family guy, the one that took care of his wife and... Well, like that was the picture they painted. If he's anything like the average American, he committed he's committing five felonies a day right now. So, yes, they could get him for some of that. He was president. So maybe he's above average. Against that backdrop, Thompson said that he expects to demand testimony from senior Trump administration officials. So, yeah, they're, they're just going after the Trump administration. We're pursuing it in court. He expects the select committee and senior House investigators to meet with the attorney general and expressed optimism for conducting his investigation in close coordination with the Justice Department. But I don't, I don't think the investigation is even starting from a good place, and I don't think it's going to go anywhere that is any better, because it's starting from, this was an insurrection. This is the most damaging thing, to, the, the most threatening thing to, to the United States since the Civil War. So if you start with that premise, you're not going to be led to the truth, because the premise that you're starting with is false. We don't want to get in the way of indictments, but I think there could be some sharing of information. Wait, what about 9-11? What about it? Uh, they're saying this is the most threatening thing to the United States since the Civil War. Oh, also oh, yeah. a good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 9-11 would also be a, little bit a worse. greater threat to United States democracy. But I mean, they don't care. This was the greatest threat to American politicians since the Civil War. That part is at least true. And it's the politicians that they care about. They don't care about democracy or a threat to the republic or a threat to the people. But suddenly there's a, a real and possible threat against politicians. I mean, there wasn't. But they didn't know that. And they they don't want there to ever be one. So they're going to use this January 6th, quote, inter- insurrection as a way of warding that off. What do you think about all of this? Should this commission proceed? It sounds to me like it's starting from a wrong assumption. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. 
After a devastating war, the alien visitors were driven back, and their willing human collaborators were left behind to face the music. When Emma Jean Anderson's ex-lover springs her from prison, Nathan Foster and his 14-year-old nephew Ben are tasked with bringing the pair to justice. An easy enough job until they discover something is inside Emma Jean, and the fate of the planet hangs in the balance. The Family Business by Mike Coopery from BainBooks.com. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160 if you want to join the discussion. 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria. Angie. And Bonnie. And we were talking about the January 6th insurrection, but that's not the only thing that's happened uh, in the last year worth talking about. There was the the Michigan kidnapping case uh, where these this group of people were... They, they, the, the media is characterizing it as kidnapping her, which I think is interesting considering these people wanted to arrest her. When they wanted to execute a citizen's arrest against her. And the media realizes that, oh, arresting people is kidnapping them, but not when the police do it, apparently. So the Michigan kidnapping case is a major test for the Biden administration's commitment to fighting domestic terrorism. Oh, it's domestic terrorism when citizens arrest politicians. And a crucible for the fierce ideological divisions pulling the country apart. In the inky darkness. Oh, this is going to be good. In the inky darkness of a late summer night last September, three cars filled with armed men began circling Birch Lake in northern Michigan looking for ways to approach Governor Whitner's three-bedroom vacation cottage, subdue her, using a stun gun if necessary, and drag her away. And these were citizens? Yes. I like where this is going. This is the first you've heard about it? Yeah, I have. No, I've never heard of that. Oh, list. yeah. The, so these people were planning to arrest the governor of Michigan for her COVID-19 restrictions. Way to be proactive. I only overheard that it was like a kidnap thing. So I am i didn't hear about that either. Well, that's an arrest. Yep. Right. It's just how which word you choose to describe it. I would say that it was an arrest. I'm not a justified arrest. I'm not saying it was, but... There's no functional difference between kidnapping and arrest. One vehicle stopped to check out a boat launch, while a second searched in vain for the right house in the thick woods ringing the lake. The third car ran counter-surveillance, using night vision goggles to look out for cops and handheld radios to communicate with the others. Earlier, they had scoped out a bridge over the Elk River just a few miles away, scrambling down under the span to figure out where plastic explosives would need to be placed to blow it sky high. Wow. Wait, what were they blowing up? A bridge. Oh, wow. That, that would slow police response, giving the men time to escape with the governor. I, I never heard of the details of their plan, but it was apparently pretty, pretty thought out. Yeah. The governor had infuriated them by imposing COVID lockdowns, among other outrages. And, either ta- and they wanted to either take her to Lake Michigan, where they could abandon her on a boat, or whisk her to Wisconsin, where she could be tried as a tyrant. I don't know anything about trying to abandon her on a boat. I had always heard they wanted her to be tried as a tyrant. 
I don't know they plan to take her to Wisconsin for that. Yeah, I was going to say, does Wisconsin try politicians? <laughs> like, I've never heard that before. Uh, Illinois, do, Illinois does, and I would I, I would recommend that. I mean, just about every Illinois governor ends up in jail. I don't know how many actually end up in jail, but... That's it, crazy. Why would you even run for governor? Because of power? What they they end up getting charged with like corruption and stuff like that. Do they get paid a lot of money? I have no idea. I just know that it's a thing where Illinois governors end up, yeah, with some regularity. And why can't everyone, uh, you know, press charges on their governor? Why does it just have to be certain states? Is it just like a state thing? I don't know. Mm. It may just be an Illinois thing. Everybody down with what's going on? An Iraq war veteran in the group demanded to know when they ended their recon mission. Well past midnight at a campsite where they were all staying. If you're not down with the thought of kidnapping, someone else replied, don't sit here. Interesting. But who knows if that's what they really said. The men planned for all kinds of obstacles, but there was one they didn't anticipate. The FBI had been listening in all along. For six months, the Iraq war vet had been wearing a wire, gathering hundreds of hours of recording. He wasn't the only one. A biker who had traveled from Wisconsin to join the group was another informant. The man who'd advised them on where to put the explosives and offered to get them as much as the task would require was, duh, an undercover FBI agent. Look, if someone says, put the explosives, if let's plan to kidnap the governor, and this is where we're going to put the explosives on this bridge, and I can get you all the explosives you want, there's your federal agent. So was a man in one of the other cars who said little and went by the name Mark. So it seems that two of these three people, did I understand that correctly? No, three cars. Three cars full okay, of people. Yeah. Not three people. So at least two FBI informants slash agents were there. Just over three weeks later, federal and state agents swooped in and arrested more than a dozen men accused of participating in what a federal prosecutor called a deeply disturbing criminal conspiracy hatched over months in secret meetings on encrypted chats and in paramilitary-style training exercises. Not in encrypted chats. Yeah, they love going after those, man. Seven of them, and that's part of the issue with encrypted chats. It's not protecting you if there's an FBI agent or multiple in the chat. Seven of the men who had driven to Birch Lake that night would end up in jail. The case made international headlines with the Justice Department touting it as an example of law enforcement agencies, quote, working together to make sure violent extremists never succeed with their plans. Prosecutors allege that the kidnapping of the governor was just the first step in what some on the right called the Big Boog, a long-awaited civil war that would overthrow the government and return the United States to some supposed revolutionary war-era ideal, which would then immediately become a just like the modern United States did. The defendants, for their part, see it very differently. They say they were set up. The audacious plot to kidnap a sitting governor, seen by many as a, prosec- it's a precursor to the January 6th assault, they always call it, now, now it's an assault on the U.S. Capitol by hundreds of Trump-supporting protesters, has become one of the most important domestic terrorism investigations in a generation. The prosecutor has already emerged as a critical test for how the Biden administration approaches the growing threat of homegrown anti-government groups. Well, there's nothing wrong with a homegrown. Look, if your government is producing homegrown anti-government groups, then your government is doing something wrong. More than that, though, the case epitomizes the ideological divisions that have riven the country over the last several years. 
To some, the FBI's infiltration of the innermost circle of armed anti-government groups is a model for how to successfully forestall dangerous acts of domestic terrorism. But for others, it's an example of precisely the kind of outrageous government overreach that radicalizes people in the first place, and increasingly a flashpoint for deep state conspiracy theories. The government has documented at least 12 confidential informants who assisted the sprawling investigation. I can't imagine they had that many people that 12 of this group of people must have they arrested 12 people and they also have 12 confidential informants who were assisting with the investigation. So there were 24 people? Presumably yeah. at, at least 24 people. So 50% of the people were informants. Well, we don't know how exactly do you, how many people there were, but 50% of the people If there were 24 and there were 12 arrested and 12 were Well, we don't know how many people were a part of it but weren't arrested. Okay. Or part of like, the paramilitary training or whatever. We just don't know. Because how do you not know that, you know, one of 50% of the people that you're hanging out with are federal agents? Because how do you not, how are you not clued in on that? Because they're not actually principal. I think these people got what they want or what they deserve because they plan to do something violent. You know, you get yeah. what you deserve. I think kidnapping is violent. The, I would agree. The trove of evidence they helped gather provides an unprecedented view into American extremism laying out in stunning detail the ways that anti-government groups network with each other and, in some cases, discuss violent actions. An examination of the case also reveals that some of those informants, acting under the direction of the FBI, played a far larger role than has previously been reported. Working in secret, they did more than just passively observe and report on the actions of the suspects. Instead, they had a hand in nearly every aspect of the alleged plot, starting with its inception. The extent of their involvement raises questions as to whether there would have been a conspiracy without them. A longtime government informant from from Wisconsin, for example, helped organize a series of meetings around the country where many of the alleged plotters first met one another and the earliest notions of a plan took root. The Wisconsin informant even paid for some hotel rooms and food as an incentive to get people to come. And this was an FBI agent basically paying people there's no come. way that they can actually charge these people with this now. I, I don't know. I mean, they're going to try. But what are your thoughts? It, it sounds to me like the FBI played way too heavy oh, yeah. of a hand here. 603-283-6160. More coming up here about this. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. And one of the things that's been fascinating me so much over the last few months, it it really came to a head when we were talking about the the Moors, who was this uh, group of people who recently made headlines because they were in Massachusetts and open carrying. And the way that the article we talked about characterized the people and and what they were doing was just amazingly slanted like they described the, an armed standoff in the woods with state police they, they had to bring in a hostage negotiator to help um you know ease the situation and help it come to an end and they specifically used the word hostage negotiator but there was there were no hostages so they just brought in a hostage. Yeah, just I was wondering about that because I remember reading about it, but I, I never read that there was any hostage. Th- there was never any hostage. They so just, what were they negotiating? They were negotiating to end the tent situation. Okay. But they... But like, they, they 
said hostage negotiator in a way of making people subliminally yeah. think that there were hostages. They could have just said here. there was a negotiator brought on scene. Yes, yeah, but that's they probably did just it. like one of his other jobs or something. Yeah. It's crazy. And now that I've you know become aware of that, I'm seeing it everywhere. Like with the arrest and kidnapping thing here, the, the media very clearly knows that arresting someone is kidnapping. Right. And they're because they these people this these people who were planning to quote kidnap or arrest the Michigan governor the media is characterizing it as a kidnapping when it's, it's so funny there's two examples of things that the government did to me and you on March 16th and they're characterizing it as a bad thing if it's done to the government the first was oh they uh went into somebody's house without asking they did that mm. to us yeah. and that and they also kidnapped you and my boyfriend they did the Iraq war vet, who was an informant for the FBI, for those who weren't here a moment ago, became so deeply enmeshed in a Michigan militant group that he rose to become its second in command. The FBI informant was the second in command. And he encouraged members to collaborate with other potential suspects and paid for their transportation to meetings. He prodded the alleged mastermind of the kidnapping plot to advance his plan, then baited the trap that led to the arrest. This account is based on an analysis of court findings, transcripts, exhibits, audio recordings, and other documents, as well as interviews with more than two dozen people with direct knowledge of the case, including several who were present at the meetings and training sessions where prosecutors say that the plot was hatched. All but one of the original of the 14 original defendants have pleaded not guilty, and they vigorously deny that they were involved in a conspiracy to kidnap anyone. Then they have a bunch of, you know, posts here their social media posts and their supposed planning who knows the prosecution gathered thousands of social media posts some 400,000 text messages good god and more than 1300 hours of recordings i can't imagine the size of the discovery in this case including audio or video from the all three vehicles so all three of the vehicles had an informant or fbi agent in yep. them it, that it alleges traveled to Birch Lake on the night of September the 12th. It maintains that this evidence shows many of those who were charged not only expressed anti-government sentiments, which isn't a crime, and it's not, it, and it's not, they're, they're using anti-government sentiment in the same way that the government uses hate crime legislation. Sure, anti-government sentiments aren't a hate crime. But um, aren't a crime. But if you do something criminal, the fact that you have anti-government sentiments is going to be used against you to make your sentence harsher. Just like, you know, with hate crimes, if you kill someone and they happen to be a protected minority, you're going to it's not illegal to hate that person, but you're going to be charged uh, sentenced worse based on that. But they also took concrete steps toward the goal of kidnapping or killing law enforcement officers and elected officials. I don't know that they took concrete steps toward killing law enforcement officials, not having looked at these 400,000 text messages, but it sounds like they wanted to prevent law enforcement officials from getting there, which is not killing them. But the defendants, as well as others, called in the sweeping investigation, which swept from Baltimore, Baltimore to Kansas City, claimed the talk never rose beyond the level of fantasy, and they never intended to harm anyone. That that argument's not going to hold. No, up. because they were in cars driving around this place. Yeah, that, with bombs. <laughs> yeah, so it's that's not okay. It, it definitely went beyond the level of fantasy, dudes. Although they have not denied participating in training events, attending meetings, and communicating with other defendants, 
They claim that no actual conspiracy to kidnap the governor ever existed. Instead, they say they were targeted because of their political views. Some some describe the case as a premeditated campaign by the government to undermine the Patriot Movement, an ideology based on fealty to the Second Amendment and the conviction that the government has violated the Constitution and is therefore illegitimate. Now, I don't know anything about the Patriot Movement, but they sound correct. The government has absolutely violated the Constitution repeatedly. And is illegitimate. But, But that's no reason to kidnap anyone or arrest anyone. They argue that the recordings and text messages that the government calls proof of a criminal conspiracy are in fact constitutionally protected speech, expressions of frustration at what they see as the government's betrayal of its citizens. Attorneys for all but one of the defendants declined invitations to comment on the record for this story. To date, one defendant has formally accused the government of entrapment, arguing that the FBI assembled the key plotters, encouraged the group's anti-government feelings, and even gave its members military-style training. Well, I think that's accurate. I think that is exactly what happened. It is accurate, but also they agreed to do it. So I think that it, I mean, it is kind of on them. They, If you agree to do it, you should be, you know. There should uh, if be you're, something if for you're, them. If you're against what the government is doing, don't involve yourself in doing the same thing to other human beings. Like, Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's unclear whether or not they're, I mean, they're, they're probably not voluntarist anarchists. So they probably don't have an issue with the government, you know, criminalizing marijuana or heroin or something like that. So maybe they are sort of OK with the government kidnapping people. They just want it to be more restrained in how it does it. I, I don't know what their exact beliefs are, but they don't sound like voluntarists to date. One def- it certainly does sound like um, entrapment, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the FBI set this up and, and they paid for hotels and meals. I mean, Free pizza if you exactly. come to a training event. Yeah, you can come stay at this hotel with the swimming pool and we'll take you to dinner. Additional defendants have said they plan to make similar claims when the cases, divided between federal and state court, go to trial starting as soon as October. I don't know how they could possibly be going to trial that early with that, that, that many defendants, that large of a conspiracy, and that much discovery. Last week, the lawyer for one defendant filed a motion that, include, that included text from an FBI agent to a key informant the Iraqi war veteran, directing him to draw specific people into the conspiracy, which is potential evidence of entrapment that he said the government, quote, inadvertently disclosed. So the the FBI agent told one of the informants to draw specific people by name into the conspiracy. Wow, that's scary. He is requesting all texts sent and received by that informant and other attorneys are now considering motions that accuse the government of intentionally withholding evidence of entrapment. Which is what that means. Is it? Oh, the government didn't mean to disclose that. That was disclosed inadvertently. Well, then you're withholding evidence of entrapment because that's evidence of entrapment. I mean, you, you, this FBI agent specifically singled out individuals and said, get them involved. Right. I want to take them down. Yep. So reach out to them, buy their pizza, get them hotel rooms, pay for their travel, whatever you got to do. Do you think this is entrapment? Do you think it's going too far? 603-283-6160. Brute Force.
Intransigent defiance, adamantine will, these are the hallmarks of the AI tank. These gigantic machines have the firepower of an army, but they also have their own sense of honor and duty. When the world breakers arrive, battle will be joined, planets will shake, and war and peace will never be the same again. World Breakers, stories from David Weber, Larry Correa, and more. Available August 3rd from BaneBooks.com. It's Free Talk Live, where we've had video archives on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol. And we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. I've been using Library for four or five years now. I absolutely love it. I didn't know it was that old. I don't remember exactly how long I've been. It was before I moved to New Hampshire, at the very least, was when I discovered it and started enjoying it. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, O-D-Y-S-E-E, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off. Now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be taken completely down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so now we're there every night, posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or at any time on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. But if you want to go all in, they have an app. It's a desktop app, and you can find it at library.com. That's L-B-R-Y dot com. And then every video archive that you watch, you will help seed it and keep it online forever. At minimum, though, we do ask you to visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today, video.freetalklive.com. It certainly is an issue. I'm not sure whether or not the show is streaming on YouTube at all now because it's kind of pointless. We talk, we still, we haven't changed anything that we've said. So as soon as we're back on YouTube, it's just going to be a matter of days, if not weeks. Do they just ban you and then you get your ban lifts and then you get back on and they ban you again? Well, Yes. When you receive a strike, they give you a suspension. The first one is three days. The second one, I think, is... No, the first one is seven days. The second one is like three months or something, two months. I don't remember. It's quite a long time because we haven't been streaming on YouTube since March the 30th or somewhere around there. May, June. And and that was because the the second strike didn't expire for such a very long time. And if you receive a third strike on YouTube, they permanently delete your channel, including all of your videos. Oh, wow. So we were like, yeah, it's it's not worth the risk of losing all Mm -hmm. of these video archives to continue streaming at the moment. Let's wait until one of these strikes lift. But yeah, it's a very strange process. And every single appeal, we appealed all of them. That we received. No reason given. Just no. We decided that you're giving uh, medically medical misinformation. I mean, we Did you know that we have a banner on Facebook now? What, we Every time. Well, I don't no, know I didn't. if it's every time. But last night, like within 30 seconds of Free Talk Live going live, Facebook had the click here for vaccine information thing down at the bottom. No. So, I mean, 
Yeah. I'm it, not on Facebook. I Well, I have Messenger, but I deactivated my account, so no, I don't see it. Messenger Thanks. is the primary reason that I still have Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that and occasionally posting something. Yeah. I, I don't scroll through it or read the comments or anything like that. I but, wasted so much time on that thing. Yeah, it's yeah, it's what people do. They sit there scrolling through it. But I just don't do that. I post a thought and then I go. People get upset with me occasionally. Like, you never react to comments or you never reply back. I'm like, well, no, that's not what I'm using Facebook for. Right. I'm using it to communicate with you. If you want to communicate with me, shoot me a message. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to have a or or give a call to Free Talk Live. I don't want to have this conversation on social media about government. That's not activism, in my opinion. But there are so many libertarians out there who think that arguing with people on Facebook is activism. Or oh, just people love to argue on there. Or just, you know, posting their opinions on Facebook is activism. It's like they're making that, a difference. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the, oh, I'm, I'm certain I've got my FBI agent because of things I post on Facebook. Dude, if the entirety of your activism is posting on Facebook, you do not have an FBI file. They, and if they ever looked at you, they immediately wrote you off as harmless and threw that file into the <laughs> shredder. So we're talking about the Governor Whitner arrest attempt by these individuals in Michigan. And everything that we're hearing sounds a lot like entrapment. One of the main informants was an Iraq war veteran and the FBI directed him to get specific people wrapped up in the conspiracy. So the FBI agent presumably be had it because he had a grudge against these people or whatever. We don't know his reasons, but he was like, Hey, Iraq war veteran who's informing me. I want you to take this person, that person and this person, and I want you to get them involved. That's certainly entrapment. If they can identify who those individuals were, the case against them has to get thrown out, I would imagine. I would hope so. Meanwhile, Gregory Townsend, one of the lead prosecutors handling the cases against eight of the defendants in Michigan State Court, was reassigned in May, pending an attorney general audit into whether he had withheld evidence about deals cut with informants during a murder and arson trial in Oakland County. On Sunday, in a matter apparently unrelated to the alleged arrest conspiracy, They keep calling it a kidnapping conspiracy, but just to drive that point home, I'm going to keep calling it an arrest conspiracy. One of the lead FBI agents in the case, Richard Trask, was charged in state court in Kalamazoo with assault with intent to do great bodily harm. Well, steroids cause people to make poor poor decisions. A spokesperson for the Michigan Attorney General's office said that the defendant's claims are not indisputable facts, adding that the office will counter and correct these issues in court. The Department of Justice declined requests for an interview or to provide comment for this article, citing its policy not to discuss pending criminal cases. An FBI spokesperson said the Bureau is aware of the charges against Trask, but declined further comment for this article. Now, I may have missed it. Oh, he Trask was one of the lead FBI agents in the case. Presumably, he could have been the one who said, hey, find these particular individuals and get them involved. Claiming that government entrapment... Claiming government entrapment is a common strategy in domestic terrorism cases, in part because because it is among the only available defenses if prosecutors have evidence from extensive surveillance. Such defenses usually fail, and most domestic terrorism defendants are convicted, or they accept a plea deal. But not always. Less than a decade ago, for example, an apocalyptic Christian group in Michigan was prosecuted for allegedly plotting to murder police officers. Among other things... (laughs) Hold on. An apocalyptic Christian group in Michigan was prosecuted for allegedly plotting 
to murder police officers. That's really surprising. Apocalyptic Christian groups usually seem to be kind of pro-government. How could they possibly not have included a link to the news article about this? I want to know more about the apocalyptic Christian group that wanted to kill cops. Yeah, I've never heard of that. I'm going to Google it. that's insane. Among other things, the defendants claimed that the entire conspiracy was instigated by deeply embedded FBI informants, and the defendants were ultimately acquitted by the judge. That makes more sense. Because I, like you, most Christians, especially if they're the apocalyptic type, tend to be pro-cop. Unless they're the, the Waco apocalyptic style. Oh. I don't know anything about their beliefs. Well, Waco wasn't actually apocalyptic, but uh, uh, who am I thinking of then? It, it, the people who drank all the poison to get on the the Heaven's Gate cult. Um. They were apocalyptic. They probably weren't fans of cops. Since its founding 113 years ago, Jesus Christ, the FBI is old. The FBI has relied upon and often paid confidential informants to aid in criminal investigations. Did you say 113 years old? 113 years old. Starting in the late 1950s, it has employed them specifically to infiltrate dissident groups and spy on targeted individuals, including Black Panthers and Martin Luther King Jr. Notoriously went going after Martin Luther King Jr. The tactic has a decidedly mixed record. That militia group was from 2010. Wow, they didn't even get the year right. March 29th, 2010. Well, well, they said less than a decade ago, didn't they? So I don't know why I thought it was the year 2000 for some reason. That they said. Yeah. Is there any more about them? Uh, yeah, there's quite a bit about it. Um, I mean, it sounds super fascinating. Yeah, we can go into it if you want after this. Yeah, absolutely. The tactic has a decidedly mixed record, as we said, but informants have also coerced innocent peace- people, falsified evidence, and even committed murder while working for the FBI. Shocking. People working for the FBI accidentally killed someone or purposefully killed someone. The Bureau's reliance on informants, much criticized in the 70s, received renewed scrutiny in the wake of 9-11 when they were used to probe Muslim groups for alleged involvement in Islamic terrorism. So that's, oh God, this just keeps going. I'm going to dig through it during the break to see if there's more worth discussing, but I think they made a pretty clear case that the FBI played a very heavy hand here. And of course, we suspect that that would be the case because the FBI has been doing this sort of thing for a long time. But what are your thoughts? 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. You're welcome to join in. 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. Angie. And Bonnie. And this article that we've been talking about, it discusses an FBI agent named Trask and how he has pending charges for intent to commit serious grief. I don't remember the terminology. They use serious bodily harm or something like that. As it turns out... What they're referring to is on Sunday night, he and his wife had an argument over the attendance of a swingers party. It doesn't go into more detail than that. I don't know if you know, she wanted to go and he didn't or what the situation was. Oh, apparently, it does go into detail. And uh, he got angry. And, and as cops tend to do, he started beating her, ended up bashing her head into the nightstand and choking her. 
And he was released, this this person who did that, who, you know, smashed his wife's head into a nightstand and then choked her. Yeah, she, he's not a violent person or anything. He doesn't need to be held for, you know, three or four months like Ian. Yes, he was released on PR, which is personal recognizance, which is, oh, yeah, he'll, he'll be good while he's out. There's no need to there's no need to detain them or anything like that. This isn't a violent person we're dealing with. This this person whose literal career is violence. Insane. And it's all because, you know, he's an FBI agent. So they're not going to hold him, even though he's very clearly a threat to people in society. So back into this article, according to Greg Rogers, who's a retired FBI agent who spent two decades working undercover on cases involving domestic terrorism, and he has a torso covered with gang tattoos to show it, the standard playbook for domestic terrorism investigations is to start with an informant who can infiltrate a group and gain trust, and then bring in undercover agents. That's an even bigger necessity in this era of social media, when informants are often vetted based on their online identities, which are hard to fake. I used to attend militia conferences and gun shows, but I never got into a group without being introduced by an informant first, Roger said. Many informants agree to help the government because they have gotten themselves sideways with the law and are hoping to get their charges dismissed, have their sentences reduced, or win over other favors from prosecutors. Others are in it for the money, and holy crap, is there evidently a lot of money in it. One longtime federal informant has allegedly hauled in $4.9 million in government payments over the last two decades. That is a lot of silver for Judas to be wanting, I have to say. It's far less common for the FBI to recruit an informant, as it did with Dan, simply by appealing to his better nature. On March the 17th, Dan officially went on the FBI's books under the codename Thor. Dan could deceive the Wolverine Watchmen or other suspects, but he had to be truthful with the FBI. He could participate in the group's activities, but he had to stop short of anything illegal. Well, that's a new change for the FBI. Was he one of the people that were riding around in the cars? Presumably, yes. So wouldn't that be illegal? You're going to commit, you mean you're riding around with a thing going to commit a crime? Well, they were they were still in the planning stages at that point. That wasn't the execution night. No, the execution okay. night was still weeks away when the FBI... I understand. As a matter of law, convincing people with no prior intention to commit crimes is known as entrapment and is to be strenuously avoided by law enforcement. Federal agents and informants are instead supposed to passively develop evidence against people who are already, quote, predisposed to do illegal things, serving only as the eyes and ears of the prosecution. In practical terms, however, confidential informants enjoy tremendous leeway to get the goods. Informants in cases over recent decades have badgered suspects into committing crimes, paid them large sums of money to do so, and even threatened to hurt them if they backed out, according to Jesse Norris, a professor of criminal justice. So they're a bunch of bullies. They are. They, and they probably didn't get in any trouble for doing that. So. No, of course not. No, and got in no trouble. In fact, they were probably paid better. I mean, they threatened to hurt people if they backed out. They paid them large sums of money. That's, that's the FBI informants out there. That's what they're doing. Yep. And not one of those instances, however, was the prosecution forced to drop the case. So Dan got to work. Within weeks, he was deeply ensconced within the Watchmen, training with them on weekends and teaching them the tactical skills that he had picked up in the Army. At first, the FBI focused on the three founding members, Musico, also known as Grandpa, Joe Morrison, and Paul Ballar. And it gives a little bit of personal information about them. 
In due time, however, the FBI expanded its target list to include not only the entire group, but potential suspects as far as way, far away as Virginia. On the final day of April 2020, the Watchmen went to the state capitol in Lansing to join a big protest against Whitner's COVID-19 stay-at-home order. Dan wore a wire for the first time, traveling to the event with Musico, Morrison, and Bilar. The men were decked out in ballistic body armor, brandishing pistols and AR-15 assault rifles, which, is standard, which was standard for the hundreds of protesters amassing in Lansing that morning. They were there, Morrison and Musico said, to recruit new members. But around noon, as they milled among the crowd, Dan started, hearing, Dan started hearing whispers about storming the Capitol. Less than two weeks earlier, the Watchmen had built a mock-up of a house using PVC tubing, and Dan helped show them how to push inside before clearing each room, techniques he learned in the Army. The Watchmen referred to it as a, quote, kill house. I don't know what the significance of that is. Now, outside the Capitol... It appeared they might be preparing to put the training to use, this time with hundreds of state police officers standing between them and the imposing Renaissance Revival building. Bilar was getting upped, Dan would later recall in court. He described Musico saying he wanted to circle the building, which he would wait for where he would wait for Whitner and said some nasty stuff. So Dan panicked. He slipped away from the group for a moment and spoke into the recording device he was carrying which he knew was being monitored live by his FBI handlers. The watchmen, he said, were preparing to breach the Capitol. The agents couldn't speak back to him, but he hoped they could at least warn the police about what was coming. Then something surprising happened. The Michigan State Police stood down and let the protesters, including those in full tactical gear, enter the building unopposed. They could even bring their guns as long as they submitted to a temperature check for COVID-19. Oh <laughs> that is not the end of that sentence I expected. Oh, gosh. Wow. They could even bring their guns. Just let me take your temperature. <laughs> okay, you're good. Pass. Oh, uh, wow. What a world we live in. The watchmen rushed to the building's second floor. Musico urged the increasingly frenzied crowd to push forward. When he spotted state troopers, he got in their faces, screaming, taking pictures of their badges, and daring them to touch him. It sounds like they encountered some well-trained state troopers just standing by like like the old royal guards that, you know, we imagine just standing there, not reacting. Everywhere in the crowd was a sturdily built bearded man with an imposing AR-15 style assault rifle slung over his vest and the brightly covered colored Hawaiian shirt that has become a hallmark among Boogaloo boys. At the time, 37-year-old Adam Fox had no close ties to any militant group. But he had been searching for one where he would fit in. Fox was living with his dogs in the basement of a friend's vacuum repair shop. Oh, wow. Yeah, man, that's... These are the people that they target. The ones that, you know, could actually use some help. Yeah, I mean, clearly dude is down on his luck. Yeah. You know, lacking long-term employment, he smoked weed and spent hours on Facebook looking to make connections with other members of the Patriot community. I get it. So they say they targeted this dude who was down on his luck and lonely and yep. wasting his time instead of doing something productive. Granted, but you know he was a Facebook no one is activist. perfect all the time, and he was having a particularly bad period. His main outlet was weightlifting. Keller, who was with him on April thirtieth, Keller they probably identified at some point in this article, but I skipped over it because a lot of it really isn't very interesting, and neither is whatever Keller had to say. The watchmen, meanwhile, had worked their way toward an office they thought was Whitmer's and were banging hard on the door. Photojournalists began snapping pictures 
and the three lined up in the hallway to pose menacingly for the cameras. But there was no actual violence, and the crowds eventually left without further incident. The shocking spectacle of the militants occupying the Capitol grabbed the media's attention. It was, as the Associated Press reported, an unsettling symbol of rising tensions in a nation grappling with crisis. It sounded like everything went fine. Yeah, and they probably moved out of the way and let them in so nothing got broken, no one got hurt. They were like, let's just let these people in. It sounds, come, yeah. yeah, it sounds like some really good decisions were made. The, I think so. This guy was like, hey, you know, inform, being an FBI informant, definitely not the best decision. But this guy was one. He said, hey, they're planning to storm the building. And whoever was in charge said, okay, well, we don't want this to turn into a bloodbath. Yep. So stand down. Yep. J- just let them in. And has, just let them in as long as they freaking get their temperature taken. Because we don't want COVID. Is yeah. this the January 6th? At the Capitol? Is that what you've no, been this, describing? No, this was at uh, the Lansing State House. How come I never heard about building. this one? As far as I understand it, this was not the... Because catch. it wasn't Trump's fault. Oh, That's okay. why you didn't hear about it. Yeah, it was like, yes, it sounds this was like the in same Michigan. thing. The Michigan State Police were the ones who stood down. I want to make sure I didn't miss that because I just assumed it was in Michigan. It, it, it was. Oh. What are your thoughts on this? Who who was in the right here? I, I tend to think that these state troopers, believe it or not, handled it as well as they could have. But maybe you think differently. 603-283-6160. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Do you feel like your country no longer holds your values? Have you dreamt of a place where liberty-minded people can come together and leave government overreach behind? There are many people just like you that are discovering FreePrivateCities.com. They start at FreePrivateCities.com and connect via the social media links shown there. All skills will be needed when the first of the Free Private Cities open. It's sooner than you think. Stop arguing and build FreePrivateCities.com. FreePrivateCities.com It's Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160 if you want to weigh in. 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria, Bonnie, and Angie. And we're talking about the, the FBI's involvement with the plot to kidnap Governor Whitmer. And it goes into extensive, I would even say exhaustive detail about some of, some of the members here and some of you know what they were alleged to have done, some of the planning, some of the organization, and all of that. But it's it also goes into a number of other groups that have been infiltrated by the FBI. And evidently, this is what the FBI does. So if you have any sort of group and you're not 100% pro-government, go ahead and assume that at least one of the members of your group is an active FBI informant. One or more, because there were quite a few in this group. Yes, uh, 12 people are currently being charged in the, quote, plot to arrest Governor Whitmer, and there were 12 FBI agents and informants involved in the charges. So, for whatever that's worth, there's probably a lot of them out there. Moving on in the article, though, Stephen Robeson, a burly concrete and asphalt contractor from central Wisconsin, had helped organize a national meeting and he was enthusiastically pushing people he knew to attend. This was a 
National Meeting of Various Militias is basically what it was. I skipped over a large section of the article because, like I said, it's exhausted. The word count on this thing has got to be 20,000, 30,000 words. So he wanted Thomas Leaguer, a gun lobbyist from Wisconsin, later was invited by Robinson so many times that he'd lost count. Despite the pressure, Leaguer, busy with other things, declined to go. Jeremy Dieter, a three percenter. What, what are the three percenters? I, I've heard I it know. before, but I don't recall. I can't remember. I've heard of it before, too. He lived only 20 miles from where the meeting was to be held, and he wasn't sure he would go either. But Robison called him so often that he finally relented. On the morning of June the 6th, accompanied by his wife and daughter, he drove to the Drury Inn and Suites in Dublin, a suburb of Columbus. Robison, known as Roby, was a heavily tattooed biker with a shaggy tuft of beard springing from his chin. Why, three, they, why do they keep yeah. I don't know. They're I, really focusing on those beards. The three percenters are anti-government extremists who are part of militia, of militia movements. Okay. Well, everyone's an extremist nowadays, according to, you know, the narrative being put forward. So they're anti-government. Why do they call themselves the three percenters? I don't know. Okay. There was a lot they didn't know about this guy, other than evidently the fact that he had a beard. But they didn't know that he had a lengthy criminal record. By the time he was 20, Roby had been busted for car theft and soon added battery, possession of stolen property, forgery, disorderly conduct, theft. We're not done yet. Writing worthless checks, sex with a minor. We're still not done yet. Bell jumping, insurance fraud. Sounds like they should give this guy a badge. (laughs) This dude, by the time he was 20, no, he added those shortly after turning 20. It doesn't say how old he was at the time of these incidents, though. And the the other members had no inkling that in March 1985, in an arson and murder trial of members of a notorious bank, biker gang called the Ghost Robe Riders, Roby had testified for the prosecution. According to court records, Roby had helped the government put people away at least three times in the 80s and again in 2005 when he provided information about a farmer who was seeking to pay someone to kill a romantic rival or leave him, quote, crippled for life. Oh my goodness. Under direction from the... From the police, Robeson told Robeson, I don't know which one is supposed to be correct, told the farmer he'd put him in touch with someone who could do the job. That turned out to be an undercover police officer who over lunch at a restaurant recorded the farmer offering a hay baler in exchange for the act of a violence. Hay baler. <laughs> <laughs> Not money. A hay oh, baler. That's great. The farmer eventually pled guilty to solic- solicitation of battery. Outside of his frequent legal adventures, Roby formed and led a group called the Wisconsin Patriot Three Percenters. And it was under the auspices of that organization that he started organizing the Dublin meeting. So the organizer of this Dublin meeting became an informant for the FBI, presumably to help with his criminal rap sheet, which was quite extensive. The Three Percenters are a national organization named after the disputed notion that it was just 3% of American colonists who rose up and took arms against British okay. rule. I, I don't know if that's factually true or not. I know that, um, of course, I think it was Jefferson who said that roughly a third of us were patriots, a third of us were loyalists, know. and a third of us were indifferent. I don't know if it's true or not, but it sounds really good. I mean, yeah. I, I can't imagine more than 3% of people actually being galvanized enough to take up arms, no. but who knows? I was not there. The group, loosely organized and highly fractious, was founded in 2008, by okay, the overall national group by Michael Vanderbo, who believed that the government had drifted far from its constitutional ideals and was working at sliding into outright tyranny. Well, 
Maybe that's because the government has drifted far from its constitutional ideals and is sliding into outright tyranny. That's not to say that a militia is the tool for the for, to fix the problem here, but the problem does exist. What do you think the tool is? Because I think in the case of these people trying to kidnap the governor, governor they would have just been more effective if they had just ignored the governor's orders than even if they actually affect, I mean, actually... Civil disobedience is a good way. Um, Like if everyone just stopped obeying the police, stopped obeying the government, then yes, the the government would not have the police force or the military to actually respond to that. And they they probably would ultimately back down once they realize that, oh, we don't actually have the manpower to enforce these laws that cause the average American to commit three or five felonies a day. I don't remember how many there actually are, but if... If people were actually not obeying, I think that would be good. I think doing that as seceding from the federal government, which has become tyrannical and have something more localized that you can exercise a little bit more control over is a good way to achieve it. But really, I don't think there is a tool here on earth for the job that is stronger than cryptocurrency. The government needs money to do this stuff. And they, to that end, they create their own money. And they create it out of thin air. They can create as they much just of it. print it. it. Yes, they can create it. Well, they don't even print most of it anymore. No, they just put it in accounts. Yeah. They're like, oh, here you go. And that's how they pay for their oppression. That's how they pay for their wars. And the money they use, it's only popular right now. I mean, it's only useful in the world right now because so, so many companies are beholden to the American military. I mean, so many war- countries are beholden to the American military and terrified of them. So they accept it. But, the, you know, that's a slippery slope and it's going to ultimately come to an end. Cryptocurrency is something they can't control. They can't inflate it in order to pay for drug wars or wars abroad or dropping bombs on, you know, brown people in the Middle East. And cryptocurrency deprives them of the funding that they need in order to engage in this tyranny. So I think that cryptocurrency is probably the strongest tool we have on Earth. But I don't. I don't know of there, there's nothing that can be done with violence that's going to make the situation any better at the very least. It's going to take peace to eliminate an evil, violent organiza- organization. Violence is just going to create more violence. It's not going to end it. It's only going to it's similar to what I said to someone on Facebook recently about, you know, being mean to bigots. Someone someone had posted, you know, I'm always going to be mean to bigots. I said, Why? That just increases the number of mean people in the world. That just increases the hostility. And I don't want to live in a world where people are mean. You're not putting an end to the mean bigot or to being mean in general by being mean to the bigot. You're just making the world a little bit more mean. Right? That's yeah. pretty silly. I hate mean people. I'm going to be mean to them. Yeah, it, it is silly. And that, that's the exact argument people made, make for these violent revolutions against the government. It's like, oh, I, I hate violent people. So we're going to engage in violence against them. And that's not going to solve the problem. I used to really think like that. Like, I I don't know that I would put it in these exact terms, but I used to always think, like, absolutely nobody can, like, hurt me or anything because I'm 10 times meaner. Like, me, me and my friend, we used to kind of say that, like, we're just so much meaner. Like, they won't mess with us. They know not to mess with us because we're And mean. you seem like the nicest little person in the world. Well, no one is like, meaner you know, or more violent than government, <laughs> for sure. And if you want to match the government, you know, toe-to-toe in violence... First of all, you're probably not going to win. But even if you do, you're just going to become the thing that you set out to destroy. I think it was Nietzsche who said, you know, stare too long into the abyss and the abyss stares back. And that's what happens with all of these violent revolutions. They just become a new 
a new gang of warlords ruling over people. Peace is the solution here. Peace and love. But what are your thoughts? Maybe I'm wrong. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. 603-283-6160 if you want to join the discussion. With you tonight, it's Aria, Angie, and Bonnie. And I find myself now reading every amplifier name carefully in my head before I say it on the air after <laughs> last night's little fiasco. And and I, I don't hear anything unusual with this one, but you know I typically don't hear them even when I say them aloud. So I do want to say thank you to Mel es- Mal Esclavo, who is tonight's amplifier. Mal is a gold-level amplifier, which means that Mal is giving $10 per month to the AMP program. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. It's money that is used strictly to advertise, market, and promote. Free Talk Live to get us on more radio stations to help us help us reach an, a larger audience with the ideas of liberty. So if you value that, you may consider joining the AMP program. You don't have to give $10 per month, though. All we ask is $5 per month. That gets you in. And it does come with a number of of little perks, but the real reason you should join is that you value Free Talk Live and you want us to reach a larger audience. So, Malice Clavo, thank you so much for your contributions. Let's go to the phones. We've got T.W. calling from Boston. T.W., you're on Free Talk Live. Hi. How you doing? Hey, what's on your mind tonight? <clears throat> yeah, I want to say that the whole thing with the Governor Whitmer thing being people are going to kidnap her, that was a FBI plot. They just roped in some... Uh, dummies one of the co-defendants was they never released their name that was the fbi agent they just got a promotion for handing those guys on a plate and it was at a time when whitmer was really unpopular with the whole lockdown thing so they just you know that was a way out oh i'm a victim of a crime just like jesse smollett whitmer did the same thing man it's been such a year i forgot entirely about the jesse uh small i don't know about that one uh, he was this, was he a football player or an actor? He's an actor from he, Empire. I, I don't know why I thought he was a football player, but he basically paid some people to attack him and shout racial expletives oh, at wow. the time so that he could claim to have been a victim of a hate crime. It was really lame because I loved that show. He was on Empire. I was like, oh, why'd you have to do that? I had totally forgot that even happened. But yes, um, it's been indisputably clear from this article that we've been talking about, uh, TW, that the FBI played a very, very large role in the creation and development of this plot to arrest Governor Whit- Whitmer. Of course they did. Uh, just like uh, a lot of these shooters that they said, like Nicholas Cruz, for instance, they said that they had been in contact with him. Uh, I believe they're in contact with the uh, Sandy Hook shooter. It, it's always, uh, you know, they're in contact with someone troubled. And uh, in this case, they just talk, got, got into a chat room with some guys who are stupid and didn't know they were talking to an FBI agent created, you know, plans where they were going to, I mean, I, I, I bet those guys probably did say some things that you could get yourself in trouble for saying, but uh, if the FBI agent is not there, does this thing become what it is that they never would have been able to do it. But the FBI get to swoop in, arrest these guys, seize all the hard drives and say, you know, look, we just did this. Meanwhile, they, they can't, take time to look at hunter biden's uh laptop or yeah you know the fbi is compromised they have been for a long time and 
Well, there's certainly no good use for taxpayer money, but if the FBI was going to actually go out and look for, you know, people who were disturbed, people who were mentally ill, people who were disaffected by the system and were deeply unhappy with it, if they were to then help those people in a positive way, I would have less an an objection to it. But finding this guy who's down on his luck, who's scrolling through Facebook all day, he's upset about how the the lockdowns have occurred. Now he can't find long-term employment. And he stumbles across an FBI agent. And then next thing you know, He's plotting with the FBI And he's traveling, agent. and he has a purpose, and he has a mission. Oh, good so, point. You know, yes. So he's excited about life now. It, and it's like T.W. said, that guy probably wouldn't have done anything like these plans if it no wasn't way. planted into his head, because, I mean, he was just sitting around I mean, if Facebook the agent day. was going to provide the bomb material, how, would they have even come up with that plan? Instead, let's get the dude, you know, a, a therapist. Let's get him a, a personal trainer to get him... Maybe a girlfriend. Well... <laughs> It doesn't sound like he was ready for a girlfriend. She might could help him. That's not a good way to start a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> TW, thank you so much for the call tonight. But yeah, you're absolutely right. A, a lot of these things would never have happened without FBI involvement. What they probably did, it sounds like, is they found this group of, of Boogaloo people, Boogaloo boys as they're known to be called, and they increasingly militarized them and worked them up into a frenzy and got them to come up with this plot to kidnap Governor Whitmer. And I, I don't know if any of them would have actually carried through with it or not. It sounds like they did get pretty far into the planning stages. I mean, Right, if they were riding around armed in cars at night. Yeah, they, they were looking for this woman's house. So, you know, it, it wasn't the fantasy playing out that they thought that, you know, was going to be their defense. So the article goes on. That its members, that's members of the three percenters, a primary concern for them is protecting gun rights. But the group also espouses the idea that citizens have the right to challenge their leaders. Espouses the idea. (laughs) Yes. So does the Constitution. (laughs) The Constitution also espouses the idea that citizens have the right to challenge their leaders, as does the Declaration of Independence. But just as, but just because they say it doesn't mean we actually have the right. We're not supposed to. No, and we know that we don't have the right because there's a resident of New Hampshire here who is who was charged with unlawful picketing for being in the Capitol building on January the 6th. He was from Keene, too, right? I've heard that there was somebody from Keene there. I do not know. I don't know. There was some kind of... um officer or something from troy right yes a a police chief i think yeah i think it was a chief so maybe that was the person its members at times in full battle armor make regular appearances at anti-government protests and other movements of civil strife such as the 2017 unite the right rally in charlottesville last month the just the justice department charged four three percenters with conspiracy as part of the january the 6th insurrection They just love that word, don't they? Insurrection. A primary goal of the Dublin meeting, Dieter and other attendees. Now, the organizer of the Dublin meeting was someone with an extensive criminal past and clearly not a very good person to be around and also an FBI informant. Other attendees, Dieter and other attendees told BuzzFeed, yeah was to discuss opening a charter school dedicated to teaching three-percenter ideals. Coming so soon after the killing of George Floyd, the nation's racial divide was also a big topic of conversation, as were the recent protests and violence in cities across the country. 
Participants had traveled from as far as Kansas City and Maryland to attend this event organized by this FBI informant with an extensive criminal record. Now, these, this person from Maryland, they were coming to Wisconsin? I don't recall exactly. Or Michigan. They were coming to Michigan. Dublin, and it, it keeps referring to it as Dublin, but doesn't specify what state so it's So surely in. they, someone reached out to them and said, hey, we're doing this. Come here. Because it said, was that one of the ones that were targeted? Which one? The one that was from um, I Maryland. Don't, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't sound like anyone was actually targeted at the Maryland event. Adam Fox, a weightlifter who had been inside the Capitol in Lansing at the same time as the Watchmen, came down from Michigan along with Keller. The feds are everywhere. Kawasaki recalls thinking to himself, another three percenter and a born-again Christian. But he wasn't surprised. Like many of the attendees, he had long believed that the three percenters' political beliefs made them targets of the FBI. Yes, because the FBI's very existence is sort of counter to what the three percenters believe. More coming up about this. It's Free Talk Live. When a lunar observatory detects a radio broadcast originating from Proxima Centauri, the nations of Earth discover their first contact with an alien race may also be their last. With the Proximans facing an extinction-level disaster, Earth must choose between sending a ship on a multi-year journey or allowing nature to take its course. Saving Proxima, a hard science fiction thriller by Travis S. Taylor and Les Johnson. From BaneBooks.com. It's Free Talk Live. And for those who think that these... I don't want to call these groups libertarian, but these militia groups, the Boogaloo Boys, let's call them that, are... A bunch of races. I mean, really, they've said in their own words, what we want is for each and every one of our countrymen and women to realize that the militia and the patriots that you were told were a bunch of racists. That is not true. It was a tool to divide you against us. We are not racist. We are not hateful people. We want to stand with all of you, with each and every one of you. And that's certainly the vibe I've always gotten from the people I know who I don't think they call themselves Boogaloo Boys, but they, they have all the trappings of what one would consider to be a Boogaloo Boy. I, I partied with some of these people at ForkFest last year, and they had no issue with me whatsoever. So, I, yeah, my experience with them is not hatefulness or bigotry or any of these other things. But let's go to the phones. We've got Dave calling from New York. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, what's hey. on your mind tonight? Uh, I heard you guys talking about sex within the first hour uh, of the show. Um, I really don't believe in relationships because they don't work. I'm on Tinder, and I, you know, I, I'm looking for, you know, just a, like a someone to come over and. and yeah, I'm putting it into that right now because I don't know what you were about to say, but it was not going to be FCC friendly, and I don't want to have to waste time hitting the dump button. See, Dave from Pooh Keepsie is why I don't really want to participate in shirtless she talk live. Somebody from, like him from like him, yeah. Just they're just boobs. Oh yeah, we could we could talk oh, about yeah, it now. We can. Yes. Oh sorry, good I didn't job, Bonnie. <laughs> no, it wasn't a secret. Uh, Angie had actually just asked me if we were going to talk about it. Uh, okay, so for those who don't know the entire backstory here, um, Topless Tuesdays were a thing on Free Talk Live for a very long time, and people are always asking, you know, why doesn't Conan ever wear a shirt? Well, it's because. <laughs> 
I, well, I, topless Tuesdays were probably in large part created by Conan not wearing a shirt during the winter month, w- warmer months in oh. New Hampshire. I don't know. So did everyone go topless on Tuesdays? Everyone did eventually and when go they, topless men? on Tuesdays until yesterday. <laughs> now, I've I've been topless on streams before. I and you know I have no objection. I mean, people can go online and see me naked probably pretty easily if they want. I have I don't care. Noted. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't matter to me one bit. Like with the Republican meeting, the the last Zoom meeting that we were at where they elected officials, I did it topless. I actually went and bought um, barbells for my nipple piercing specifically (laughs) for this meeting. I I I bought the biggest barbells I could find. They were like this long and they were inescapably there. And on top of that, I also wore a leash around my neck that was like trailed (laughs) off to the camera like someone was holding it. And I sat through the whole meeting like this, right? It, Very it was, seriously, I'm it's sure. It's on YouTube. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know how seriously it was. Yes, at uh, you, uh, com. It's somewhere on there. It's not like pinned or anything. But uh, so, yes, there was also Aria Uncensored, which was a show I did briefly. I think there were four episodes of it. Wasn't having a really good time and then working too many hours, stressed. And the last episode... Called it quits on that, but it was a show that was done topless, and it got us a three-day suspension from Twitch. Despite the fact that you know Topless Tuesdays had been happening here on Free Talk Live with Ian and Conan, and I, maybe someone else here and there, and it had never been a problem. We looked into Twitch's terms then, and they don't allow any toplessness. Okay, hmm. but they never went after. Uh, topless Tuesdays. So we're going to do topless She Talk Live next Wednesday. Yes. So yesterday I decided, you know, topless Tuesdays are coming back. I don't care if we get suspended from these platforms or banned from them. Ian doesn't care. So let's do it. And I don't care about. So you guys were topless yesterday? Yes. And I don't care about being topless on the stream. It was like, this is not a good seat to be in for me because I, the way the camera is positioned, I would have had to angle it down, and I didn't do that. I didn't adjust it at all. But I don't think my nipples ever actually got in frame. But you did look naked. I saw it because if it the was camera like is like this, my nipples are going to be in frame. Well, I, I assume this will be done at um, at your place at uh, the Amduzia Studio, and that's because our cameras are 1080. <laughs> oh, these are 720. <laughs> so you'll get okay. So you'll get Much topless better in better detail. <laughs> And, you know, I, I decided, okay, we know they will ban a, a trans woman or maybe they won't because that my breasts are non-existent. Right. Basically non-existent. So I was surprised when Twitch handed out that suspension when they did, but let's see how far we can push this thing because this, it is fun. It's stupid and it's trolling, but it is also got a point to it. Yep. Right. A woman, a woman or a trans woman says, a woman, cis or trans, should be able to go topless in a video. Absolutely, if, if a man can do it, mm-hmm. and so that's that's what and they the should normalize. We're going to push at. They sh- you should really normalize like nude nudism and absolutely yeah you know, because people are so uncomfortable around it. If you see somebody and you're like, oh god, I'm I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry. You know, because you're you're taught that it's not okay to not have clothes on. It's really an American thing, too. I had a German friend and like I would always like just, you know, we'd be getting undressed in the gym locker room and I would just like naturally not look at her. And she'd always laugh at me and be like, oh, my God, Bonnie, you're so American. Just like, look <laughs> at me. We're just both women. Well, it's Pavlovly, Pavlo, Pavlovian, the way that we treat nudity and sex in our minds. You know, a person isn't getting naked. 
unless they're doing one or two things. They're they're either about to engage in a sexual activity or about to shower. Those yep. are the only two times the the average person is ever naked. And the only time they ever see another naked person in person is when they're about to gauge, engage in sexual activity. So to them, those two things become linked in their mind. And this happens at very early ages where, oh, a naked person means sex. And it's just like Pavlov's dog where every time he rang the bell, he fed the dog. Yeah. And eventually just ringing the bell would be enough to make the dog salivate. And just like that, just seeing nudity becomes enough to arouse the average human being. Yep. Normalizing nudity is by far the best way to solve that problem. Oh, I agree. But it's also very hot in New Hampshire. That's why I'm wearing the top that I'm wearing. I would prefer to just be topless. I spent most of my life just going around topless. And now suddenly I can't do that. I'm not allowed to do that. It's, in, it's illegal in some places. It, it will get us banned from Twitch, banned the, from YouTube. The gym that I'm a member of, uh, She, when Michael used to work out topless, and she said, just so you know, when he comes back, there have been some people who have been complaining, not because of him, but have been complaining about being uncomfortable with the men not having their shirts on. So they And like the men that they were complaining about were ripped. That's so And stupid. they were uncomfortable because they felt um, in, inferior. See, that's not the way to solve this. The, the way to solve this problem is not to make... Ian and Conan put shirts on. No. It's to say, okay, you're right. What What is wrong about you sitting there not wearing a top while talking about whatever topic happens to come up? We're not even focusing on the fact that we're topless. No. We kind of did last night, and we obviously kind of will be next week. But I mean, it's, it's not like we sat around talking about how great it was to be topless and why <laughs> people should go check it's out the video It's going to be great not feeds. to wear a bra. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. It's going to be a great time, and you can watch it at video.freetalklive.com. That'll be the best place to watch it because the other ones, the other ones are probably <laughs> going to shut it down pretty quickly. But hey, maybe they won't. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm interested to see what's going to happen. How many video affiliates are we going to lose for next? That's week's going to be good episode of She Talk Live, and. How much hate mail is there going to be? The comments. It's going to be a very successful. Do you think stream. there'll be any fines? Do you think that we'll get in trouble? I don't think. No, we're not doing not anything illegal. illegal. Right? We're just That's violating right. okay. you know, their terms. Yeah, we're inside a house, so it couldn't be illegal, right? I don't know. I went. I went topless at a lake before, where it isn't illegal in Austin, and it was pretty fun. So Bonnie's like, in. Bring. I, I think it's legal then, to be topless in New Hampshire in public. I believe that's correct. I know it is in Brattleboro. As, I, I think it is in Brattleboro Because I did well. the thing at Northampton Beach, like the topless yeah. protest or whatever. Um, TJ was saying that in Keene specifically, there's one kind of vague uh, law that they could get you off of. And it says like anything. Oh, I wish he was here to say the exact words. Oh, that's but, right. You can be topless, but you, you can't do anything that is gross. suggestive. Yeah. Or let's, that's what the, the word gross is in there. The word gross is in there. Yeah. Like sneeze or cough. Or. <laughs> I <laughs> think they like, meant gross in a different way. I, I think suggestive I'm is just saying no one coughing gross. naked looks good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what's coming up next week. And however you're watching this, you might want to check out Odyssey. You can find it at video.freetalklive.com because Twitch and YouTube and Facebook aren't going to let this happen long. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. And we're talking about the way that the FBI has just absolutely infiltrated these various anti-government organizations and then proceeds to 
suggest they get involved. They escalate things. Like, hey, you're just posting on Facebook. I, I, I have a friend who can hook you up with all the bombs you need. Let's go meet him. And then that person is an undercover FBI agent. And they, they've been doing this for a very long time. And they're going, there's been a lot of names, a lot of places in this story. So I don't expect you to remember any of them because I know that I don't. And I don't even remember the time frame that we're talking about here when they say late the following Sunday. Following what? Dan was ushered into the FBI's. I don't remember a Dan either. Was ushered into. The, it's a long. Or we're only halfway through this thing. I mean, there's no way we're finishing it, but it gives a really horrifying glimpse into just how far off the rails the FBI's gotten. They're not investigating criminals anymore. They're creating criminals. He was ushered into the FBI's agent in Flint, a one-story building with an unmarked door flanked by a pair of potted flowers. So the FBI's office in downtown Flint is a one-story building that's just completely unmarked, and it's just got a pair of potted flowers out front. He was there to make a phone call in the presence of his FBI handlers. It had been a week. So this, this is a secret police station in the middle of this town, made to look completely innocuous. That's terrifying. There, there are all sorts of buildings throughout the United States that could be FBI offices, if this is what they're doing. They're behaving like a secret police force. Absolutely. It had been a week since the meeting in Dublin, and matters were quickly advancing. That was a meeting that was organized by an FBI informant with an extensive criminal past, which is why he started being an FBI informant in the first place. Like I said, there's a reason I can't keep up with the names and the places involved here because it's extensive and it's just, oh, the FBI was all over this from the very beginning. An informant was the one, an FBI informant was the one who set up this national meeting of various people interested in militias. I don't know how much more involved they could be in it. That Sunday, the watchman called Fox, the person Fox, during a field training at Morrison's house. I don't remember Morrison either. But the connection was bad and nobody could hear much over all the gunshots. Dan, who had recently been elevated to second in command, or XO, offered to call Fox later. After training ended, he raced to the FBI office and placed the call on a recorded line. As agents listened in, Dan pressed him about the meeting in Ohio Dublin, Fox said, so Dublin, Ohio was the place where this meeting was had. Dublin, Fox said, was about changing the paradigm. The media treated patriots unfairly. After he and other patriots occupied the state house in Lansing, they called us domestic terrorists. We want to take that stigma off and let them know who we are because we're not racists. We're not white nationalists. We just want our constitution upheld. And I've got to tell you, I am skipping the F word a lot here, and it's becoming difficult to do. So I'm going to move on instead of having to dump myself in a minute. Laughing, Fox said his dream was to have the governor hogtied down on a table for public display the way DEA agents spread seized guns and drugs across a table like hunting trophies after a big bus. And it's not just DEA agents. It's, it's just, every police force. Yeah. like, And I've seen some of these that are so bad. One I saw last night was three, three white police officers who look exactly like every other white police officer. I don't know why I began attempting to try to describe them. Standing in front of a table that had maybe eight ounces of weed on it. 
and a gun and a single clip and a little bit of cash. And these these police officers, each one of which was open carrying a weapon, a gun, said violent violence, drugs lead to violent crime. And the streets are now a little safer now that we've taken a dangerous weapon off of them. There was a police department who um, busted some people for pot and uh, like so many negative comments and stuff like that. Was this the one where someone said something like, hey, give Wyatt Earp his weed back? Yeah, something like that. That was the best comment I've ever seen. (laughs) I will never forget that. Who's Wyatt Earp? Wyatt Earp was this guy from the Wild West. Um, So they took a really, really old and took probably incapable of firing gun from this dude and just a tiny amount of weed. I don't remember what the amount of weed was, but... It it wouldn't have gotten you charged with anything. It would have gotten you fined in New Hampshire for having it. Yeah, that's funny. And I think I think it, the cash they seized was only like once, if I remember correctly. It wasn't a lot. It was like four one dollar bills laid out, and they're like, oh "We busted God. this guy." <laughs> wow, it, it's sad, and, and they're proud of this. They're proud of ruining people's lives. Oh yeah, absolutely. Over guns that probably don't work and drugs that make you sleepy. Yeah, hungry, happy, sleepy was the way Cat Williams characterized it in one of his stand-up acts. Those, as far as we can tell, are the effects of marijuana. They make you hungry, they make you happy, and they make you sleepy. I don't know what they is. It makes you (laughs) happy, hungry, and sleepy. So, I mean, cops are bizarre, and I don't understand how they do what they do with any... how, How do you become a police officer trying to make the world a better place and then admit on Facebook to the whole world that you think guns are dangerous while you're open carrying three guns. That's not, that's not constitutional. It's not, it's not rule of law. It's just abject tyranny. Guns are dangerous unless we, the government enforcers are allowed to have guns. Well, they have to have their guns in order to enforce their laws because if they didn't, if they didn't, weren't armed, there's no way that we would obey what they ask or what they tell us to do because they really don't ask you. Well, it, no, they don't. And it works in the United Kingdom, but in the United Kingdom, the average citizen isn't likely carrying a concealed gun. Exactly. The, there are a lot of guns in the United States. Isn't it like three for, for every citizen? There's a, there's I a, have no idea. I don't remember the number now. But, but I'd be curious to find out. It, it's a lot. So th- they were planning to take the building, take the hostages. I can't do, they said, I can't do anything with less than 200 men. But at best, they could muster 15 to 20 people. And they just go on. They're planning to kidnap the or to arrest the governor of Michigan. And the the whole point of the story tonight was just how involved the FBI really was. These are not people who are looking for criminals, as we said. They're people who are creating situations that would have never happened if they this organization, the FBI, didn't exist. I remember watching a documentary several years ago about the time that i don't i don't remember the details now so i'm just going to move on but i mean the fbi it, they they would have if they needed to provided the explosives to blow up this bridge for this group of people who planned to do that and they probably would have been real exposed explosives oh yeah because that's what they do they they don't care about the loss of life that they cause why should they no, the bigger the crime and the more that it, destruction it causes, the bigger the penalty or the... the um, yeah. Sent- t- yeah, sentence. Thank you. And Some the- of them are violent criminals like the ones that we covered in this story today, like the guy who beat his wife and the other guy who... And he uh, was a cop. Yep. 
some of the cops themselves are violent criminals, so they don't care if they blow up a bridge and somebody drives off of it in the middle of the night. Yeah, that was Trask, the agent who got into an argument with his wife and proceeded to bash her face on the nightstand and choke her. Mm -hmm. So definitely a violent dude doesn't seem to care that much. I mean, that's how he treats his wife, the person he's supposed to love. And I can't imagine what that means, how he treats the average person. And he gets personal recognizance bail while nobody who has never done anything violent in 52 years is still walked up because they mentioned January 6th during his trial. It is bizarre that the... Well, it's not bizarre. It's unfortunate. That's how corrupt the system really is. Oh, but the FBI agent has a badge. Yes, but he... Dude, he like bashed his wife's head against the nightstand while arguing with her. He was trying to kill her. Yes, intent to call... And the article here just said, oh, he got arrested for intent to cause... Serious bodily harm. Can you give me a little bit more details? Because yeah, he was trying to murder his wife. Yes. All because of a, an, a disagreement about a swingers party. That they both attended. Yeah, exactly. It's not like she went off and went to a swingers party. If you take him. your wife to a swingers party, don't get upset when she finds somebody else. Yeah, that, that's the whole point. Exactly. Loser. But he got upset. I mean, he's a violent thug. I mean, that's what they do. So he got upset and he attacked the person he loves. So it's not surprising to think that, you know, yeah. If they could have, they would have provided real bombs. Mm -hmm. And this, the Iraq vet, who was the informant from the very beginning, not not to mention the guy who organized this on a national level, trying to get all of these militia groups together. He was an informant. He was an FBI person. He's obviously violent. He's an Iraq vet. So So they should be in trouble for like the whole idea. It shouldn't be the people who actually were just following rules. No, and it's starting to feel a lot like Soviet Russia, man. As I look around and I see all of these examples of people who were FBI informants, and the FBI has these secret offices, and they're in, they're unmarked, basically. I don't know what to do about it. Join us next week, though, for the Topless She Talk Live. Don't that is forget. coming up next week. Video.freetalklive.com will probably be the only place you can watch it. In 1080. Video.freetalklive.com. The Crypto Six are preparing to defend ourselves against the state. On March the 16th of this year, the federal government came after Free Talk Live. They raided the studio. They arrested several of our hosts, one of whom, Rich Paul, also known as Nobody, remains in custody. They picked us thinking that they would find easy targets. Man, were they wrong, because we do not intend to back down. Visit TheCrypto6.com to find out how you can join the war for freedom and financial liberty. Bitcoin isn't a crime. Cryptocurrency isn't a crime. Don't let the powers that be take control of cryptocurrency and establish the likes of Coinbase, Gemini, and Kraken as the next J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, and Wells Fargo. Keep cryptocurrency decentralized and beyond the control of the federal government. Go to TheCrypto6.com to learn more about how you can join this fight. TheCrypto6.com